0: Welcome to the Culture Wise podcast where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace. Here we aim to discuss topics relating to how followers of Jesus can more effectively reach Latter-day Saints and their relational networks. My name is Daniel Schugert, and I'm joined today by Ross Anderson and our guest Paul Nuremberg. Paul uh, attended an LDS mission in 1997 and uh, we're going to hear about that in a little bit. But also after his mission he left the LDS church um, became a follower of Jesus and has been engaged in ministry in a couple different capacities so I'm looking forward to hearing about that Paul just tell me a little bit about um, yourself and your connection to the LDS church how did how did you um, get involved in the LDS church and even decide to go on your mission
1: yeah so I was born and raised in Utah born in Bountiful Utah and Um, was LDS, was in an LDS family from the time I was born. So my father was a convert to the LDS faith, uh, at the age of 26. And my mother comes from a family where, uh, her roots go back to the pioneer days. Um, my great, great grandmother pulled a handcart with her daughters across the, the, the plains. So, um, definitely have some deep LDS background in the family. And, uh, I think our family was a little bit different than some LDS, uh, families, uh, in the, in the sense that my dad was a convert. And so he came to, um, he came to the family with, uh, a, a Baptist background and a Lutheran background both. And so, um, he viewed things a little bit differently having that background. And so when we would have things like family home evening at home as a child, um, questions, when questions came up, there were times when he and my mom had different answers because of that background. And so, um, that was, that was sort of interesting. And I, I, think, I think in that sense, we were a little bit different, um, and probably made me and some of my siblings a little bit more open to, uh, exploring, uh, life outside of, uh, the LDS church, uh, when we all became adults. But, um, uh, until the time I was 19 and left on my mission, uh, you know, I went through all of the, the normal, uh, LDS things that, that a young man would go through. I was baptized at age eight, um, in the tabernacle. There's a, there's a, uh, baptistry there in the basement of the tabernacle. Uh, that's that domed building on temple square. So was baptized there. And, um, then, you know, at 12 and 14 and 16 progressed through the ranks of, uh, LDS priesthood, deacon teacher priest that, uh, young men in the LDS church do. Uh, and then, to elder, uh, in the Melchizedek priesthood, uh, prior to serving a mission. Um, so yeah, um, you know, grew up there in Utah with, with all of the, the, the cultural things that go along with that. Um, it was a great upbringing, you know, it's, it's a great place to, to, to grow up. Um, <clears throat> the community is good. Um, people are generally nice and kind and caring and, and, and look out for each other. Um, so all of that was, was great to me as a child. Um, and then, you know, went on my mission to Hungary, uh, spent two years there in, uh, Budapest, mostly in a couple of other cities there in Hungary. Um, that was between 1997 and 1999. And like you said, I came home, um, met my wife, we got married. Um, I moved to the Cincinnati area where she's from. And, uh, we began raising our children and our family as, as LDS. And we did that for the first 10 years of our marriage, uh, before we left together.
0: Yeah, tell me more about your mission, that you were far from home, uh, a completely different culture. What were some of the experiences on your mission that really shaped you or stood out to you uh, in your time in Hungary?
1: Yeah, so a mission for Latter-day Saints is a time where they go out and they try to share uh, their understanding of the gospel with people. Um, And in truth, they're, they're seeking to bring people, whether they are uh, Christian or not to a belief in Joseph Smith as a prophet. Um, they're also seeking to bring people to their understanding of Jesus Christ. But a lot of the people that they interact with are already Christians. And so the shift there is from uh, a belief in a non belief in Joseph Smith to a belief in Joseph Smith as a prophet. Um, and so you know a lot of the people that we interacted with in Hungary were either catholic, lutheran or reformed um all of those were fairly large there um and so you know we got a lot of people who would turn us away because they said we we already have jesus you know we don't need uh we've, we're Christians we don't need anything else um but some of the some of the formative experiences i would say um <clears throat> when uh there was one experience that I had in, in a city called Seged, uh, it's in southern Hungary, it's a university town, and it was kind of a rainy day. And we were trying to knock doors inside apartment buildings, which wasn't always easy. Um, the apartment buildings there would be locked, you'd have to buzz in to somebody in the building and, and kind of beg them to let you into the building to bother their neighbors. And a lot of times people weren't willing to do that. Um, but sometimes they were. And so that's what we were trying to do to get out of the rain. Um, We did get into one building and one of the doors that we knocked on happened to be uh, a native Hungarian couple who were Baptist missionaries there in that city. And they let us in and they allowed us to speak with them. They didn't allow us to share our message, um, but they did allow us to speak with them and they shared some things with us. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, I recall specifically was one of the passages that they shared with us. Um, and that's not a passage that you, as a Latter-day Saint, you generally hear used very often. I bring it up often on our podcast that there are certain passages that the LDS faith just doesn't really touch. Um, and if it touches on them, it's just very briefly and, and not in the depth that, uh, a Christian would look at that passage. And so Ephesians two, eight and nine kind of hit me. And it's not that I hadn't read the new Testament before or hadn't seen that passage before but um for whatever reason that day it hit me a little bit differently and i left that meeting with that baptist couple um kind of thinking wow that that's pretty different than what i believe um and it really ate at me because it contrasted with the culture of an lds mission which is highly structured highly regimented um you're pushed to strict obedience to the mission rules, most of which are kind of standard across all of the LDS missions, but each LDS mission has a mission president that has their own take on things, and so there will also be mission-specific rules that you're supposed to keep. And so you're living this very regimented uh, kind of lifestyle as as an LDS missionary, and in meetings that you have with mission leadership, your own obedience is often tied to uh, the success that you're perce- perceived to have as a missionary. So, if you're not strictly obedient to these mission rules, you're not going to have success. The Spirit won't lead you to the right people who will join the LDS Church, and so you're dealing with a lot of um, guilt over that if you're if you're not strictly obedient to the mission rules. And I I really tried to be, but I left that meeting with that Baptist couple realizing you know that. That that view of grace was something very different than what was being presented to me as necessary for uh, pleasing God.
0: Yeah, that's a really powerful experience that you were able to have with them. Um, were there some other interactions you had that that either were pretty negative interactions with some of the 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 Christians out there, um, or did you have other really positive experiences like that one?
1: yeah, I had a lot of positive experiences with Christians. Um, there was a there was a Lutheran minister that we met with pretty regularly in one of the areas of Budapest that I was in. Um, and at the time, I would have said that he was mean, but looking back, I don't think he was mean. He was more firm in his position. Um, and he was willing to meet with us on a weekly basis for for several months. Um, so he cared enough to to try to reach us. Um, he just didn't allow us to, you know, put one over on him. Um, he was pretty firm in his position. And, and so that was a good experience. Um, and, you know, there, there were some others that, that I would say were, were kind of negative, you know, there, there are some people who will uh, meet with the LDS missionaries to try to put them in a gotcha situation, you know, and then present, you know, their faith. I had a seventh day, a couple of seventh day Adventists do that kind of thing to me, um, which didn't appeal at all. Um, it was more the, the Christians that I could tell cared about me and, and tried to share grace with me that really impacted me. Um, one other kind of funny, uh, interaction that I've shared occasionally with people is that, um, we would do a lot of street contacting. We would go to train stations, places where, uh, the Metro, met up with a train station where there would be a lot of people going to and fro to work or to various places, um, that we could try to stop them and talk to them about the LDS faith. And I remember stopping one gentleman at a train station and explaining to him, um, you know, the Joseph Smith story, he was confused about which church to join and what should he do. And he prayed and he was told to join none of them. And the, the man seemed really interested, like, Oh, well, what, what happened then? What, what did he learn in response to his prayer? And, then you continue the story oh well he he was told to join none of those churches but to start a new one uh, to restore the church and the guy just kind of laughed and he, he said so wait so he was confused about there being so many churches and the answer from god was start another one <laughs> you know and it just kind of yeah it was one of those moments where the logic of it kind of hit me and i was like oh that is kind of interesting <laughs> it made me think about it in a different way i guess
0: yeah certainly
1: so uh, after you miss your mission, it
0: still was a little bit of time before um, you even left the church. So what what was it really at the time that you were uh, exiting the LDS Church? What was it that was um, pushing you out?
1: Yeah, for me it was historical issues. Um, so before I left on my mission uh, in in Utah, there's a couple of different. Um, stations that are tied to universities there. There's KUED tied to University of Utah and KBYU tied to Brigham Young University. And I remember um, seeing a commercial for a, a program that was going to be on about the Mountain Meadows Massacre. And I had never heard of that, didn't know what it was. Um, and it was kind of detailing um, all, of, all of what happened with that and, and John D. Lee and, this, and him being treated as a scapegoat. Um, and I remember asking my mom, you know, what, what is this? I've never heard of this before. And, um, she tried to answer, but I don't think she was really equipped to answer it either. Um, so when I came home, um, shortly after that, um, the church was kind of the LDS church was kind of addressing that through a more formal publication than, than maybe Juanita Brooks's publication had been. Um, Richard Turley was involved from the historical department. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the book, but I I ordered it and read it. um, And it really troubled me that um, there seemed to be some cover up there that the the massacre did seem to be perpetrated by LDS people. And that's not to say that religious people are always perfect and don't make mistakes and don't do things that are wrong. Obviously, you know, there's the Crusades and, and things that the Christians deal with as well. Um, but I was really troubled with the fact that it had been covered up in the way that it had, um, that the blame had been placed on the Native Americans. Um, and that you know, kind of one man had been put forward as the scapegoat, that was, that seemed really unfortunate to me and it bothered me. So those kind of historical issues troubled me. And and from there, I, you know, delved into other issues with um, Joseph Smith's story, multiple first vision accounts, that kind of thing. Um, But primarily what, what I really struggled with was the fact that there doesn't seem to be any evidence supporting, the idea that the Book of Mormon is an ancient record, that there's any uh, any existence to it prior to 1830 when Joseph Smith produces it and publishes it. Um, that really bothered me uh, because It claims to be an ancient record. And if it is an ancient record, there should be at least something that that you can point to, Um, you know, biblical manuscripts, you can point to those and say, Okay, we've got uh, biblical manuscripts that go back to the second and third century. Um, And then you've got the Dead Sea Scrolls that that push back even further than that. And so Does that prove that the things in the Bible happened? No, but it does prove it as an ancient record that has persisted through time. And there's nothing like that for the Book of Mormon.
0: Right. Yeah. So those things are really what came up and in your face demanded you to wrestle with and deal with and kind of answer. Correct. So I know that you uh, have recently been working, um, on a book and we've mentioned this book in the podcast. Um, it's called responding to the Mormon missionary message and you contributed one chapter to it. Um, you don't need to give, uh, an, an update on what the book is about, but tell us about your chapter. What is your chapter dealing with and what was the process like for you working through it?
1: Yeah. So that it was a, uh, really welcome opportunity to write that chapter for the book. Um, my chapter, uh, covers lesson three in the, um, preach my gospel manual. Uh, and it's that, that lesson is focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and it was, it was a very interesting chapter to write because, uh, there is such a a vast difference between the way Latter-day Saints understand what the gospel is and the way Christians understand what the gospel is. And so, what I really tried to do in my chapter is to take the reader into the heart of a Latter-day Saint. Um, what are the things that they struggle with as they try to "quote unquote" live the gospel uh, according to LDS teachings? And um, you know, the LDS faith, uh, like I talked about with my mission, it's it's a very regimented faith. There are particular steps you're supposed to take and things that you're supposed to do uh, in order to prove yourself worthy uh, of uh, salvation and exaltation. And so I tried to touch on each of those because those are the things that the missionaries would teach during that lesson if they were to enter a Christian's home. Um, But I also tried to show through my own experiences, my own story, what it's like internally to uh, have that theology impact you, um, because theology isn't just in the head. It affects your heart. Um, what you believe impacts how you live. Uh, what you believe impacts what you think about yourself, what you think about. And so if you're, if you're constantly living in a, in a theology that teaches you that um, unless you do X, Y, or Z, um, you're not worthy, uh, then you're going to think of yourself continually as unworthy Um, and that's going to be a struggle to you emotionally. And, um, so I tried to, I tried to really bring the reader into the heart of the LDS of an LDS person, uh, for two reasons. One, assuming, uh, maybe the person reading is another LDS person. You know, I, I saw the struggles that my mom had emotionally and, and mentally from the LDS culture and LDS theology. Um, she never felt that she was worthy of God's love, never felt that she was worthy of salvation. Um, And I've had LDS people tell me that's not their experience. Okay, that's fine, but it is my experience. It was my mother's experience and it is many other Latter-day Saints experience. Um, So I wanted Latter-day Saints to hear someone who's been through that express that experience. Um, And also, for those who have never been Latter-day Saints who may be readers, I wanted them to understand when you're talking to a Latter-day Saint, they're thinking in things, thinking in categories that are different than what you're thinking in. And um, it impacts them in ways that, that maybe it doesn't impact you. Um, when Christians understand the uh, freedom of Christ, the, the rest that comes from grace um, and being in God's Sabbath now, uh, that is not something that Latter-day Saints experience. And so... Um, I was trying to bring, like I said, in my chapter, uh, bring the reader into the heart of an LDS person.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. I I think it's very helpful to keep in mind that, uh, LDS belief is is not just a list of things to believe, a list of theological truths to agree to, um, but those theological truths have such influence on our lives and our emotions and the way we think, our whole cultural experience, and so bringing in that, that uh, to the conversation with a Mormon missionary can be so helpful, rather than just attacking the the specific beliefs, but understanding the person as a whole and the cultural shift. What What is something that you think would be helpful for listeners to understand about the cultural journey uh, from Mormonism into uh, a true faith in Jesus that might be helpful to keep in mind um, when meeting with missionaries or engaging with Latter-day Saints?
1: Yeah, a couple of things that that come to mind. The, the first is vocabulary. There's there's a shared vocabulary between Latter-day Saints and Christians. Um, we'll use the word grace as Latter-day Saints. We'll use the words salvation and baptism. Many other terms that are familiar to Christians, um, but a Latter-day Saints understanding of those things is very different. Um, and I wrote about in my chapter some of my struggles to understand just how the differences impact. The way we live, and also what the differences are, it's hard to understand sometimes. Um, and I shared an experience of mine in, in the chapter, so I'll leave that to readers to to go through. Um, but it's a fun one, um, yeah. and it, it has to do with um, understanding sanctification in the Christian life, the Christian walk, what what that means to Christians uh, versus what it means to Latter Day Saints, and so I think that's important to understand uh, and and to kind of summarize on that. Uh, for listeners who have never been latter-day saint Latter-day saints um, Christians expect that uh, as as Paul writes you know he who began a good work with in within you will bring it to completion right um, so if we're struggling to feel like we are progressing along that path towards sanctification uh, we understand that God is not going to leave us he 's going to stay with us and and bring us bring that that process of sanctification through to completion. Latter-day Saints believe that you may not fully be sanctified and the level of heaven that you achieve is dependent on the level of sanctification that you achieve. Um, And notice the difference in terminology there, right? The the level of sanctification that you achieve. Um, And so that's, it's a major difference and and it's important for Christians who might be interacting with Latter-day Saints to understand how that that difference in theology impacts uh, your interactions and and how the Latter-day Saint that you're speaking with might understand the terms that you're using. The other thing about leaving is that it impacts your family relationships. My immediate family, uh, initially things were difficult with a couple of my sisters. Um, I had one sister tell me when I let her know that we were leaving the LDS church, that she didn't want to talk to me about religion anymore. And, yeah. um, there were a few years that went by before she came to me and said, I'm sorry for doing that. Um, uh, I welcome us talking about things again. And, oh, that's um, awesome. that was good. Um, it was difficult for my mom when I told her and my dad, you know, there, there are things that, um, probably some shared Cultural aspects, um, you know, in, in the LDS faith, as in some Christian faiths, the the father in the home could baptize their children. Uh, for example, the Christian tradition I belong to that happens as well. You know, when I went to my parents and and told them we're we're leaving the LDS faith, um, that of course causes them pain uh, for reasons that there are some shared uh, things that we've been through together, and as as religious ceremonies that uh, now. You know, they're going, okay, how do you view that now? Is it, is it null and void? Do you still view your baptism as valid? What is that? You know what I mean? So those things come up and, and then just, you know, uh, extended family as well. I would say that, you know, my relationships with some of my extended family, uh, have changed, uh, because I'm an outsider now. And so, uh, that impacts and, so for for someone who's never been a latter day saint um that's a cultural issue um <clears throat> the latter day saints kind of kind of view themselves as a people uh maybe more so than than some christian groups do and so um it's in some ways like like some uh commentators have have likened it to Judaism where it's it's you're a people as a latter day saint and so leaving culturally is very difficult um so yeah i would bring up those things
2: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, let me jump in and ask, ask you a question, Paul. As you're talking about um, your journey, and, and you were faced with the uh, sort of the evidentiary type issues, history. And so now it seems to me like as I look at the, at the scene around that the majority of people who leave Mormonism end up in some kind of atheism or at least agnosticism. And sometimes it's like, oh, um, it's driven by a lot of those same uh, intellectual issues. Um, what, what do you think make the difference for, for you and your wife that you ended up uh, pursuing faith instead of jettisoning faith in general?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks for that, Ross. I think that, so for me, I, I have to be able to trace uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Um, some of the experiences I shared that like on my mission, um, encountering that Baptist couple, um, those are times that I felt God drawing me to his son more so than to the LDS church. And so I think for me, there were things that, that God did at work in my life to bring my identity to a place where I, I viewed myself even when I was still a Latter-day Saint, I viewed myself primarily as Christian rather than as a Latter-day Saint. Um, even though, um, you know, before we left, I, I had a conversation with my wife where I said, you know, they're my people, I'll never leave. And, you know, they'll always be my people. You know, I, I held that, that view, but I think there were just experiences where God brought me to, the, to his son. And I mean, that's, that's the core really is, is, is God draws people to his son. And why did I not cave to becoming an atheist? And, you know, I think when my, when my LDS shelf first broke, um, and Latter-day Saints talk about having a shelf where they put problematic issues up on the shelf, you may take them down every once in a while and examine them, uh, try to find answers, but you don't, uh, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You just put things on the shelf. Well, eventually a shelf gets too heavy and it breaks. Um, and when that happened for me, I remember, you know, I had a conversation with my wife, um, in our kitchen, and told her, you know, I, I don't know that I believe in God anymore because everything that I believed was tied up with the LDS Church. As I thought about that, after that conversation, I thought, you know, that's that's really kind of a prideful way to think about things. That I've got it all figured out because I don't believe Mormonism anymore. Um, And I had to ask myself the question, what do I do with those experiences that I've had that I believed to be authentic experiences with, with the true and living God, you know, like the experiences on my mission. Um, so I, you know, I, I wrote about in my journal that night, just that I thought, you know, I was being really prideful. Okay. I don't believe in Mormonism anymore or the the truth claims of Mormonism. And this was like two years into our marriage. um, So pretty early and way before we left. Um, But I determined from there to build my faith on Jesus Christ um, rather than on anything else. And so um, I think that helped that determination because then when we were ready to leave, I didn't want to give up Jesus Christ altogether. Um, And so that's not to say that I don't read in apologetics or try to understand what the issues are that um, people who leave the LDS faith will often say, well, if you apply the same level of deconstruction to Christianity as you did to Mormonism, you would just jettison Christianity as well. I I haven't found that to be true. Um, I found there to be reasons to believe uh, Christianity. Yeah.
2: And, you know, you you said you you thought it was a kind of an arrogant way, way to say, if this isn't true, then nothing... But it's also a very Mormon way to think, you know, really, because it's like you've been taught your whole life that this is the one true church. Every other version of Christianity is is junior varsity. And so why would I, you know, adopt and and my whole idea of of God and my whole relationship with with him and with Jesus is all filtered through the experience of Mormonism. So why what kind of God is there outside of Mormonism? Or what kind of re- truth is there outside of Mormonism? Everything else has been um, taken off the table by the LDS worldview. So it would be really hard to um, to rethink those things in a way that says, I will embrace uh, some level of faith.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I I know many times when people are questioning the LDS church or in the process of leaving it, it really shakes a lot of relationships. And uh, it's very common for marriages to struggle or even fail uh, in that particular season of life. Tell me about what did God do that helps you and your wife uh, stay together and pursue this journey together?
1: Yeah, I think my wife and I were fortunate in that, you know, she She was a convert to the LDS faith and came from a a Southern Baptist background, had attended a a Roman Catholic high school. Um, So religiously, she had worked through a lot of questions in her own life. Um, And so when she came into Mormonism, uh, initially she felt like a lot of those questions were answered, Um, but then the more time that she was in, uh, she started to have questions as well. And when she saw that I had questions, um, you know, we would talk about things. And, you know, I, the early part of our marriage, uh, as I suppose it is for lots of marriages, I worked two jobs to make things work uh, while I was going to school. We didn't have a whole lot of time together. You know, we would, we would, I would come home from my second job at 11 o'clock midnight, and we would have maybe an hour before we would Fall asleep to just talk. And we made the most of those times and we would talk about what was important to us, the things we were struggling with. You know, I was uh, delivering pizza at the time and I would listen to J. Vernon McGee, you know, through the Bible on Christian radio. And uh, I would listen to the Bible Answer Man with Hank Hanagraph, or I would listen to um, R.C. Sproul, Renewing Your Mind on the way to work in the morning. And, and those programs were good for me because they the Bible Answers Man, maybe more so than the others, would sometimes focus programs on Mormonism. But um, Jay Vernon McGee and, and R.C. Sproul rarely mentioned it in their programs. They were focused on teaching the Bible. And so I would listen to those and hear differences and be able to have questions and formulate those questions and then bounce those off my wife. Hey, you know, from your... Baptist background. What do you think about this from what you learned at a Roman Catholic high school? What do you think about this? And we would have deep conversations about faith, which was good. And I think that helped us. Um, we lost that communication for a while when it kind of became clear to both of us that, a, that kind of a change was looming off in the future. Um, I think we both got scared by that and kind of became reticent to talk about faith for a while. Um, but then in 2010, she, she pulled me aside and said, Hey, uh, you know, the kind of the, the rubber was meeting the road. She wasn't going to church with me at the LDS church. I was trying to take the kids and trying to, uh, push her to go with me. You know, let's be good Mormons. And, um, I was really trying to resist, uh, the idea of leaving. And, um, she pulled me aside and said, Hey, we need to talk. Uh, we went to, uh, a park, a nature preserve near here and, just sat down and talked. And I thought she was going to ask me for a divorce because like you were saying, um, that often happens when there are these uh, transitions in faith for Latter-day Saints. Um, but that's not what she asked me. She just said, I, I can't go to the LDS church anymore. I still want to go to church, but I need to go to a church where I can grow in Christ. And I'm going to go looking for that. If you're willing to come with me, we can do it together as a family. Um, and so that's what we did. But I, I really credit um, you know, the, the openness on her part, uh, to be able to listen to the questions that I had. Um, it wasn't always easy for her because she had made uh, a decision to convert, uh, to Mormonism. So when I initially had started expressing, uh, doubts and questions, um, that was scary to her. Um, but she, uh, she pushed through that and she allowed me to express my thoughts and she would share hers. And I, I, I credit that with us being able to stay together.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a lot of openness, a lot of humility, a lot of being genuinely curious about what the other is thinking. Those were some some key components that helped. How was how was your response uh, when she pulled you aside and said, I can't do this anymore, I'm going to go look somewhere else? Were you relieved? Uh, were you terrified? How were how you feeling?
1: Um, I was excited at first because like I said, I I was trying to resist it. I knew it was coming Um, for me, it was coming. But I, at the time I was um, serving in a calling in the LDS church, teaching uh, elders quorum, which is the the group of men that meet on Sunday. Um, And, you know, I would teach the lessons for that each Sunday. And so, you know, I had, I was all wrapped up in, oh, I got to keep doing this calling. I can't, I can't leave in the middle of, of having a calling like this. And so when she initially said, let's, you know, you're welcome to come with me, but I'm, I'm going to be looking for something else. um, That evening I was excited. It, it seemed, it seemed to be something that I was ready for. Uh, I just wasn't ready to (laughs) make that step on my own. So, but her making it, I was, I, I said, okay, let's do it. We'll do that. And that initial excitement uh, pretty quickly turned into dread and fear, um, and I would say I probably had what someone would term a mental breakdown that weekend. After that, um, just all of the all of the cultural and emotional fears and struggles that I've been dealing with uh, with regards to doubt and faith and trying to make myself believe in the LDS Church, all of that kind of came crashing on me that weekend, and it was a very very difficult weekend. Um, but then, you know, the next week, the next Sunday, we started checking out other churches and I pretty quickly, uh, found myself comfortable with the idea of seeking to find, uh, somewhere where we'd be, like my wife said, we would be able to grow in Christ. And so, um, what was a very difficult transition pretty quickly became easier for me.
0: Yeah, that's a huge gift from God. Praise God for it. Yeah, for sure. So now you're you're involved in a few different uh avenues of ministry. One of those is a podcast. Uh I'd, I'd love to ask you about that. Tell us tell us about your Outer Brightness podcast.
1: Yeah, so Outer Brightness um we, we call it Outer Brightness from Mormon to Jesus. It's a it's an ongoing respectful conversation between my friend Matthew Eklund and me. Um, And we talk about our transition out of the LDS church to faith in Jesus alone for salvation. Um, Matthew also went through a similar transition, though a few years after I did. Um, And initially, our goal was to share our stories and have discussions about each of the 13 LDS articles of faith. Um, The idea there was to discuss each one of those, what we believed about uh, the topics they cover in those times when we were Latter-day Saints, uh, and now what we believe about those topics as Christians. Um, We don't agree on everything. We're not in the same uh, Christian traditions, and that's okay. Um, We we agree on the essentials, and and we're able to have good conversations. Um, And when we finished covering each of the 13 articles of faith, we continued to produce content related to Mormonism and what it's like to transition from that faith into biblical Christianity. We believe that god began a work in each of our lives to draw us to jesus and that the holy spirit is doing that same work in other mormons and ex-mormons it's not an easy transition to make like we've talked about today Um, and so uh, you know there's different beliefs there's different uh, ways that terminology is understood there's different social and cultural norms um, between the two faith communities Uh, family relationships are strained when you leave um, and so our goal is to be a resource for those who are making that transition to hear uh, from a couple of voices who have been through it. And hopefully by the grace of God, our experiences and insights can be a blessing to others. Um, additionally, though, we also try to speak to the Never Mormon Christian community to provide insights to them that that will help them reach their Mormon friends or family uh, with the gospel and with compassion. Um, I think that the more you understand what that transition is like and also how Latter-day Saints think, uh, the more compassionate you can be in trying to reach them with the gospel. Um, so uh, that's our that's our goal with our podcast. We've been on hi- hiatus for about eight months now. Um, both Matthew and I have been working through some pretty big transitions and new commitments in our lives, uh, but we're going to get back to producing regular content here in the next few weeks. So,
0: Are there any other things that you're working on Paul, or uh, any other things that you'd love to let our listeners aware of?
1: Yeah, I'm starting to to plan um, a series of writings. I don't know yet whether it will be uh, books or or a blog post. I'm not sure which. Um, but the goal is to uh, I, I, what I would really love to do is is kind of do something similar in writing to what we did on the podcast, um, but maybe a little bit more directed. So kind of like a systematic theology that would be a comp- a comparison of LDS beliefs with Christian beliefs um and and really kind of digging into why the Christian beliefs are different you know how how those interpretations of the bible flow differently uh for Christians than they do for Latter-day Saints and what the reasons are there um so starting to to do the initial planning on that um the initial goal would be to write about uh, the word of God, which would be the eighth article, eighth LDS article of faith. Um, cause that's really kind of the, the place where you have to start, uh, talking about, uh, inspiration and authority, uh, when it comes to kind of the differences.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, how, how can we keep up on that as that's, as that's coming about, how can our listeners find it or become aware of it? And then also how can listeners find, um, the outer brightness podcast?
1: Yeah. So with the writings, I'll definitely be doing some um, posting on postings on the topics with some short thoughts on them uh, at uh, www.outerbrightnesspodcast.com. So that's where they can find out about our podcast as well as see any writings that, that we would do related to it.
0: Awesome. Yeah. We'll link that in the description of this podcast um, and really anticipate seeing the fruit that comes from it. Well, thank you so much for joining today, Paul. Really appreciate your insight and your experiences and your participation in the book as well, um, responding to the Mormon missionary message. Um, that's going to be a great help to many people I know. So thanks for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Daniel and Ross. Appreciate it.
0: Again, this is the Culture Wise podcast where God's good news meets the Latter day Saints with wisdom
2: and grace.